You're listening to He Is Here, a sermon series about God's faithfulness. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. series that we are calling He Is Here. Now I wonder as we get started, how many of y'all would just be honest and admit, we're in church, how many of y'all be honest and admit that you like pizza? Yeah, man, I love me some pizza. I love pizza. The best pizza ever created is the buffalo chicken pizza from Pizza Inn. I'm telling you, uh, you don't have to agree with me. That's okay. You can be wrong, all right? But that really is. It's the best pizza that has ever been created. I, I love pizza. I really do. And I remember when I was a kid, every now and then, I remember my mom would order pizza. And she would order pizza from a place called Domino's. And at the time, I remember... Domino's had this promotion that was kind of going, uh, it was a 20-minute guarantee. How many of y'all remember the 20-minute guarantee, 20-minute guarantee? And what that meant was Domino's guaranteed to deliver your pizza to your house within 20 minutes, and if they didn't have it there in 20 minutes or less, guess what? It was free. It was free. So I remember she would order pizza, and I'd get excited. I'd get excited. I'd start kind of watching the clock, but I really, you know, didn't care if they were late or not. I was just excited about pizza. I didn't really understand money when I was a kid. Uh, I had no concept of that. Uh, I didn't have no job, and so I just was really excited that the pizza was coming. And so when the pizza got there, I wanted to be the first person to, like, open the pizza box and let this smell of awesomeness, you know, the aroma fill the church. I wanted to be the first person to open the pizza box so that I could zero in on the biggest piece of pizza in the box and put it on my plate. I wanted to be the first person. So I'd be sitting around waiting and dreaming of, man, when this pizza comes in the house and when the doorbell would ring, I knew. I knew that it was here, right? I knew the pizza was here. I'd take off running to the door, and I'd open the door like I got money. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Mom, the pizza's here. It's here. I mean, I still get excited about pizza, and some people at the church know that. If we go to Pizza Inn, and they're like buffalo chicken pizzas on the buffet, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love pizza. I really, I really do. And it's amazing to me the things that we get excited about when they actually come. Like it's deer season, right? Some people are excited. It's here. It's deer season. It's here. Some people are excited uh, about that. Some people are getting excited about Christmas break, right? It's here. It's almost here. All the kids are excited. All the parents are like, ah. anybody know what I'm talking about, right? It's here. But some people, man, they get excited about deer season. They get excited about Christmas break. Some people get excited about the McDonald's McRib. It's here, right? It's back. They get excited. We get excited about all sorts of things, but how excited do we, really get about, do we really get about the fact that Jesus is here? See, it's Christmas time. It's a time that's been you know, set apart for you and I to celebrate the fact that Jesus is here. It's a time that we are reminded that God loved us so much he sent us his son. And in fact, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, 
this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, God is with us. God is here, and we ought to celebrate his presence because God promises never to leave us. He promises never to forsake us. He really is here. And so far in this series, what we have said is that he is here with us, in the valley, when you and I seem to be walking through the valley, when we seem to be walking through battles, when we seem to be walking through times of struggle, it's important for us to just look up, take a second, and recognize again that Jesus is here. Last week we talked about how he is with us in the wilderness. When we are walking through seasons in our life where things just seem to be dry, where things seem to be barren, and it seems to be going on and on for a while, we need to understand again that God has not left us. He promises again never to leave us, never to forsake us. He is here. He's with us in the wilderness. And today I want to talk to you about a message entitled that God is with us. He is here in the storm. He is here in the the storm. See, I can't predict the future. I, I, I don't read palms. I don't look at crystal balls or anything like that. But one thing that I know about each person in this room is that you are either coming out of a storm, you are heading for a storm, or you are currently in a storm in your life. Now, I don't mean to discourage you, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just true. You're either Coming out of a storm, you are heading for a storm, or right now in your life, you are in a storm. And in this room, again, I can't help but think that there's some people here today who you just came out of a very difficult and painful experience or situation in your life. Maybe you didn't just come out of it. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're in it right now. You were in a very difficult and painful situation or circumstances in your life. Or I want you to understand again that that is where you are heading. And sometimes when we are in the middle of these storms in life, we wonder, where in the world is God? Where is God? Now, we've had a couple of big storms that have hit our country in recent years, a couple of big hurricanes. And what I find really interesting about these big storms, these big hurricanes, is that we actually name them after people. We use, we use the names of people when we're describing them. I was looking up uh, the worst hurricanes in U.S. history just this past week, and two of them were at the top of the list. The first one was Hurricane Katrina. How many of y'all remember, remember Hurricane Katrina? I mean, that happened several years ago, and we're not very close Coast, close to the coast, right? A close to the coast. Say that 10 times fast. Wow, it messed me up. We're not real co- close huh, to the coast. I can't do it, man. What in the world? Anyway, so we're not, real, we're not real close to the coast, but man, there were parts in Vicksburg that didn't have power for like over a week. How many of y'all remember that? Had to throw out food that was in your deep freeze and stuff like that, right? Man, and it, and it really it was really, really tough. And it, it just really displaced so many Americans. It caused billions of dollars in damages. I mean, it was a tough storm. Then last year in the fall, there was a hurricane that went through Puerto Rico. Oh, Puerto Rico. What's wrong with me? Puerto Rico called Hurricane Maria. How many of y'all remember that as well, right? And so here it is. It's over a year later, and there are still people in Puerto Rico that are still rebuilding. Again, it's crazy. It's crazy. There have just been some crazy, devastating storms. And again, we name them after people. I've always wondered why we name major hurricanes after people. But have you ever, have you ever had a, a storm in your life that, you know, you were tempted to name after a person? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like maybe you dated somebody 
And man, it was rough. You know what I'm saying? It was tough, man. It was tough, man. It messed up all sorts of things in your life, caused all sorts of drama. And you were just like, man, I'm so thankful that I survived Hurricane Melanie. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Or maybe you got kids right now and then they're terrible twos, terrible threes, terrible tweens, terrible teens, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And you're just like, man, I hope and pray to God that I survive Hurricane Sadie. You know what I'm talking about? Not, I mean, you're just praying that you make it through that storm. Well, what's amazing again is that we name these hurricanes after people and that hasn't always been the case. We used to name them after their geographic location. That's really what they used to do. But in 1954, in 1954, U.S. meteorologists, they started naming these storms after their wives or girlfriends. How stupid is that? I mean, for real. If I'm a meteorologist and I come home one day and I'm like, hey, Amanda, there's this Category 5 hurricane coming through. It's big, big, girl. And, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill a whole bunch of people. Man, it's going to cost billions in damage. It reminds me a lot of you, girl. I named it after you. Is she going to feel loved by that? No. In fact, we're not going to talk for a week, or at least I'm not going to be able to talk to her because she's going to break my jaw. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not going to be able to talk to her. So for 25 years, they named storms after females, after, after, after wives, after girlfriends. But then in 1979, I don't know if there was this push for equal rights of storms or or what, but they started naming them after males as well. And what I found out about storms is if there is a major storm that causes major damage, what they do is they retire that storm's name, and it's never used again. Well, unfortunately, again, for some of us in this room, we really are tempted to name the storms in our life. Maybe you're here today and you think, man, if I can just, if I can just get through this storm of divorce... Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, if I can just get through this storm of depression or if I can just get through this financial storm, this relational storm, this storm of discouragement, this storm of doubt, this storm of heartache, it could be a lot of different things. But sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of real and devastating pain and we just want the storm to go away. We just want the storm to pass. And, 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 and what do we do? What do we do when we're in the, the middle of the storm? Unfortunately, a, a lot of people, a lot of people, what they do is they blame God for the storm. They'll blame Him for the storm. Why is God allowing this to happen in my life? Or they'll question, where in the world is God, well, the key thought to the message today, and it's not going to be on the screen, but if you want to write it down, I think it's worthy of writing down. The key thought for the message is this. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Don't let the presence of a storm in your life cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. And to illustrate this, what I want us to do is I want us to look at one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. In Acts chapter 27, man, uh, there are some men who are on a boat and they are in the middle of this massive, terrible, crazy, rough storm. And the storm goes on for several days. And the crew, the people who were on the boat, man, they're terrified. They begin 
throwing cargo overboard, hoping that that's going to keep the boat from rocking so violently. They're thinking, man, this has got to help in some way. But they get to the point in their life where they're so scared, they think they're actually going to die. This storm is going to kill them. And in Acts chapter 27, starting in verse 20, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, When neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. Now let me stop. See, I can't help but think that, again, there are some people in this room, and you might be tempted to use similar words to describe the storm that you are going through right now. It just won't stop. It just won't end. It just continues to rage. That's what's happening here. And so look at this. It says that we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Man, that phrase gets to me. Man, that phrase really gets to me because I talk to people all the time who have just given up hope. They've given up hope that they're going to make it through this storm. They say, man, there's no way, there's no way that our marriage is going to make it. There's, there's no way that I'm going to be able to climb out of this financial debt that I'm in. There's no way that I'm going to be able to beat cancer or whatever sickness it is that I have. I'm going to be alone for my whole life. There are some people who've been trying to conceive. They're trying and trying and trying, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. And so they think there's no way this is ever going to happen. So many people have given up all hope, just like the men in this story right here. They have given up all hope. The storm continues to rage. And look at verse 21. The Bible says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul, now this is the apostle Paul, he stands up and said to them, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. I love this. Man, I love Paul. See, Paul was this super spiritual guy, okay? The apostle Paul, super spiritual guy. He wrote the majority of the New Testament, but he wasn't above doing what you and I uh, like to do sometimes when we're right about something, and that is say, I told you so, right? I, I like that about Paul. This is Paul saying, I told you so. He says, man, y'all should have listened to me. If you'd have listened to me, we wouldn't be in this mess. So why are they in this storm? They're in this storm because of their own actions. They were in this storm because they were careless. They decided to sell under risky conditions. Well, have you ever noticed that a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians, they love to blame everything on the devil. Have you ever noticed that? Like when they're going through something tough, when something's messed up in their life, they just want to say, man, look at what the devil's doing to me. The devil is attacking me. The devil is causing this storm in my life. But, but sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, it ain't the devil that caused the storm in your life. You, you, know, you know who causes a storm in our life? A lot of times, our own self, right? Some of our own dumb actions. Some of our own dumb actions. Sometimes we find ourselves having money troubles. Why? Because we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like and people who don't like us, right? We're like, oh, I don't know why I can't pay my bills this month. Man, I know why. You got a $200 a month direct TV bill. You got the new iPhone. You got the iPhone watch. Man, you got all that 70-inch TV with the Xbox One X. I really want one of those. Xbox One X. But, and then you got a pony. You're, you know why you're having money trouble? Because of your own dumb fault. How many of y'all know somebody got their, their self into some money problems? Don't point if they're sitting beside you, right? Right? I mean, this is your own dumb fault. Honestly, sometimes, though, 
You're in, a, you're in the middle of a storm because your emotions got the best of you, your own fault. Because your emotions got the best of you and you said something that you shouldn't have said, right? Sometimes, sometimes you're in a storm because you procrastinated. You didn't do what you knew you should have you done when you should have done it, right? Sometimes you're in a storm because people, people drink too much. Sometimes you're in a storm because you dated the person that everybody told you not to date, right? Your best friend said, don't date that person. Your dog said, don't date that person. The Japanese fortune cookie you got said, do not date that person. And you did it anyway, right? You did it anyway. I mean, again, sometimes it's your own fault that you're in the middle of a storm. Well, maybe that's why the people in Acts chapter 27 had lost all hope and given up all hope because it's their own fault. See, I don't know about you, but it's easier for me to believe that God will pull me out of a storm when I know he's the one who got me into the storm than it is for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm that I got myself in. Anybody, are you the same way? Are you the same way? See, see, see I, I, sometimes when I, when I do dumb stuff, I'm like, man, I don't deserve to be rescued. I'm an idiot. This is my fault. This is my fault. So the storm continues to rage, and, 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 and they gave up all hope. Now, I do believe that there were some people who were in the middle of this storm, and it wasn't their fault. Like, maybe there were some sailors who went to the captain and said, uh, Captain, look, Paul, he says we don't need to, to sail right now, and he, he seems to know stuff. He seems, so we might ought to listen to him. And I can imagine the captain saying, Paul's not the captain of this ship, and I say we're going to sail. So some of the men, again, in the storm, they're there, and it's not their own fault. And that happens to us from time to time, too. We get into storms that are not our fault. Like maybe you're a kid, and your mom and dad, they, they get divorced, and you find yourself in this storm, and it's not your fault. Maybe your company, where you work, you know what I mean? They make some poor choices, and so they have to cut back on their staff, and you are a casualty of it. It's not your fault. Maybe you trusted someone, and they gave you their word. You believed them, but they didn't do what they said they were going to do, and it's not your fault. Whatever the cause of the storm that you are in in your life, in the middle of it, it's easy to give up all hope. It's easy to think that all hope is lost. As the storm continues to rage, they gave up all hope. But again, don't let the presence of a storm in your life cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. Amen. Watch what happens. Verse 22, Paul says this, now I urge you, I urge you to keep your courage. And man, if I could say something to some of the people in this room, that's exactly what I would say. Keep up your courage. Don't lose your faith. In whatever storm it is that you are in right now, don't lose your faith. This storm's not going to take you down. Look at what Paul says. He says, keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Then in verse 23, here's what he says. He says, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. So this is amazing to me. Paul, uh, the, the whole crew, man, they are in this storm. There's thunder. There's lightning. It's dark. You know what I mean? This, this, the boat is rocking back and forth. There's wind. There are these waves. And what does Paul do? He stands up and says, hey, guess who, guess who came and stood beside me? An angel of the Lord. See, I believe with all of my heart that what you and I see with our physical eyes 
is not all that there really is around us. I, I really believe that. I, I believe that there is this spiritual world that goes beyond our ability to see. Like right now in this room, there, there, are, there are beings around you. There, there are things that you can't see. There are angels in this room right now. There might even be some angels on the stage with me with their swords drawn. Looking out for me, I appreciate that. Yeah, buddy, let me give you a high five. Right? I believe that with all of my heart that, again, what you and I see is not all that there is. And so, again, in the middle of this storm, an angel of the Lord is standing there. Listen to me. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You have no idea all the ways that God is with you. It could be in the form of an angel or it could be in the form of his Holy Spirit. Because listen to me, if you are a follower of Christ, that means that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. It dwells in you. And as a follower of Jesus, man, you, you have his strength and his power. Paul, when speaking to a young Timothy, look at what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. He says, there, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. The very next verse, look what it says. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. Man, some of us really need to grasp that in our life. In what you are going through right now, the Lord has not left you. He is standing with you, standing at your side, and he wants to give you strength. David in the Old Testament, you know what he said? He said, I will not be shaken because I know thou art with me. I know God is beside me. When you realize that God is with you, when you are going through a storm, it kind of changes the way that you approach that storm. It changes your mindset when you're in the middle of the storm. It changes the way that you ride out that storm. It's all about who is with you. It, it really is. Like I remember a couple of years ago, we went to a Mississippi State football game. It was actually when Mississippi State was ranked number one in the country for a week. Can we just pause and celebrate God's miraculous power? 2014. Good old day, good old day, not days, day, good old day. But yes, somebody who was connected with that football program gave us some tickets. And they said we could take a private tour of like the locker room, the training room, and places where the general public wasn't really allowed, you know. And so I, I, remember, I remember thinking, man, this is, this is awesome. This is, this is awesome. And so we're walking around, and I got a picture right here is when Dak Prescott was a quarterback. This is me sitting right in front of Dak Prescott's locker. And you can't tell, but right there at my leg, it's his boot. It's his boot. Remember, Dak Prescott had an injury. Anybody remember that? Only the true fans know. I remember. Oh, praise God. But anyway, so there I am right there. We're just walking around. And then here's another picture of us uh, on this tour here. Check it out. Look at Amanda. She's, she's throwing up 315 deadlift, man. She's a beast up in the gym. And so we're walking around all these places that we're probably not really supposed to be with, you know. And so we're just having a good time. Y'all, I like to act silly, so we're acting silly. And so all of a sudden, security comes. Security's like, hey, 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 you, you guys aren't supposed to be in there. And I'm thinking, man, we're about to go to jail. This is it, man. It's over. I'm never going to be able to allow back at a, at a Mississippi State football game. You're not supposed to be here. But then they see the guy who gave us the tickets. And like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. 
And so he's, he says, yeah, 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 there with me, there with me. And so the security guard, he's like, oh, my apologies. And I was like, yeah, your apologies. Don't let that happen again, you know. Again, who I was with changed my, my confidence, right? Who I was with, man, it, it, really, it really did strengthen and change my posture and my demeanor. And what I want you to understand again is that when you recognize you are not alone in the storm, that God is with you, it should change the way you ride out that storm. It's about who is with you. In fact, another story in the New Testament, Jesus and the disciples, they are in a different boat in a different storm. And what's crazy is that Jesus is actually sleeping on the bottom level of the boat. And the disciples are, again, they're in the middle of this storm, and they do what you and I often do in the storms of life, and they freak out. This doesn't look good. I don't like what's happening. We're not going to make it. God, don't you care about us? And so they wake Jesus up. What are you doing? Where are you? And Jesus just walks up, shakes his head, says, oh, you have little faith. And he speaks to the storm, peace. And the winds die down and the storm ceases. So why were they able to experience peace in that storm? Because Jesus was with them. See, real peace isn't brought to us by the absence of a storm. Real peace is brought to us by the presence of Jesus. Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. You're never going to have a trouble-free life. Following Jesus doesn't mean that bad things don't happen or won't happen. In fact, here's what Jesus said about life in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you all this so that you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you see that? Real peace isn't found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. When you understand that he is with you, he is right beside you, and again, that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, man, real peace comes. Paul, Paul told this crew, don't lose courage. Don't lose courage in this storm. And then look at verse 20, 23 of chapter 27 in Acts one more time. Here's what the Bible says. Last night, Paul says this, last night an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. You see what the angel basically said right there? In other words, the angel says, you're not going down here, Paul. The people who are with you, they're, they're not going down because God still has more he wants to do in you and through you. Someone needs to hear this this morning. I'm telling you, the storm that you are in isn't going to take you down. God still has more for you. God still wants to do more in you, and God still wants to do more through you. He really does. There's still more people he wants you to love. There's still more people he wants you to bless. There's still more things he has for you. If you're not dead, God's not done. If you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. He has not given up on you. The ship may go down, 
but the storm's not going to take you out. In fact, what I like is how God oftentimes uses the storms in our life so that we can help others through the storms that are coming to theirs. I, I, I like that God never wastes a storm in our life. See, God, God's not surprised by the storms that happen to us. He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not surprised. And so in the middle of those storms, he's with us, he speaks to us, he strengthens us, he deepens our roots, and again, he wants us to learn lessons so that we can help people through their storms. So that one day we'll be able to look at somebody who's going through a storm, and we'll be able to say, oh, I, I was in a financial storm just like that. And God was faithful, and he was able to deliver me from that. Oh, I used, to be, I used to be in bondage to this or to that, but by the grace of God, I have been set free. And suddenly what happens is you're able to start providing hope to people in the middle of their storm. Why? Because you yourself recognized the presence of Jesus and made it through the storm. Made it through the storm. And you got to see this. Look at what Paul says in verse 25. He says, so keep up your courage, men. So keep up your faith, ladies. So keep up your faith, church. Keep up your courage, for I have faith in God. Everybody say, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. Yeah, yeah, tell the person next to you, I got faith in God. I got faith in God. That didn't sound real convincing. Say, I have faith in God. That it will happen just as he told me. In other words, my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. And in his word, he says, I am loved. I am valued. I am cherished. I am a child of his. And he's not walked out on me. My faith is in the one who commands the winds and the waves. I have faith in him. Faith in him. Man, the bottom line here, and I'm wrapping up. But you can't control when a storm blows up. You can't. You can't control how severe a storm's going to be in your life. And you can't control how long a storm's going to be. You can't control what people say about you. And you can't control what people do to you. But you know what you can control? You can control what you believe. You can control who you put your faith in. You can say, my faith is in God. Again, the one who promises never to leave me, never forsake me. You can say, I have faith in God. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want you to see what the psalmist says in Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. But he says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present what does that mean that means he's always here in the middle of the storm in the middle of the valley in, in the middle of the wilderness he's always there he's an ever-present help in trouble 
verse 2. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the seas, the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The psalmist is basically saying, even when it all falls apart, even when it all falls apart, I will not fear. Why? Because God is with me. See, you and I might say it this way. Even if I lose my job, even if the relationship falls apart, even if I can't pay my bills, I will not be afraid. Because he is here. An ever-present help in times trouble. He's with me. He's all I need. He's my comfort. He's my strength. He's my peace. He is my God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder today if there's somebody here who's going through something really difficult going through something real difficult and you've been trying to make it on your own, tossing cargo over the side of the boat, just just doing everything that you can. But you haven't stopped just to recognize the presence of God. I just want to encourage you to be still. Understand that God is with you for you and I also wonder today maybe there's somebody here today and you think the storm that you are in is punishment from God I just want you to understand that God loves you and if you give him your heart if you give him your life He can bring real peace to you, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so if you're here today and you know that you need to be saved, you know today you need to give him your heart, you need to give him your life, and it needs to be a real experience, and that's what you want to do, I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer. Father, today, I confess I need you. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for living for myself. Forgive me for being so selfish. Forgive me for not recognizing your presence. I thank you for Jesus, his willingness to come and die. And I confess Christ as Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me into a new person. And I'll give you all the glory and praise. Again, we're going to keep our eyes closed. We're continuing to pray. But if you prayed to receive Christ today, I'm going to ask it right where you are. You just lift your hands so that I can know God is moving. We just want to know God is changing lives and touching hearts. Father, we are so thankful that your presence is always with us. 
And I pray today that you would help each and every one of us, no matter what the storm that we are going through. Father, I pray that we would have faith in you. We would have faith in you and your power and your goodness. I pray all this in the precious name of Jesus.